The ongoing pandemic has affected sports and live events everywhere, and esports has had to adapt as well. A recent example of this is the Drone Champions League, which was converted from a series of in-person league events to an entirely virtual format, with both competitors and talent located remotely. The international esports company ESL partnered with Rocket Surgery Virtual Productions, Ross Video's dedicated virtual production division, to convert the physical in-venue world into an entirely virtual experience. Joining me to talk about this process are three subject matter experts today. First, we have Terry Daly. He's a senior designer in Rocket Surgery Virtual Productions specialist. Terry, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, no, thanks for having us. Absolutely. I'm excited to, to talk a little bit more about this topic today with you. And we also have Bo Cordell. He is a senior design and rocket surgery virtual production specialist as well. Bo, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Tyler. Appreciate you having us. Absolutely, absolutely. And then finally, we have Simon Eicher. He is the Senior Global Manager of Procurement and Executive Producer of Special Events for ESL Gaming. Simon, thank you for being here as well. Yeah, thanks for giving this topic a great platform. Absolutely, absolutely. Simon is joining us all the way from Cologne, Germany, and so happy to have Simon on with us today. And Simon, so let, let's start off here. Uh, when the decision was made to move uh, DCL to a virtual experience, uh, when was that decision made, and what were your initial thoughts about how this would work? Yeah, I think first of all, it's uh, important to mention, right? I mean, drone champions, they are, I mean, usually they fly real drones. Right. They have a circus for a few years ongoing uh, across the world already. Uh, but luckily, uh, they expanded their strategy already um, late 2019 and uh, released a game uh, which pretty much simulates the real uh, drone racing. So for them, uh, obviously, as everyone, 2020 uh, turned out at the beginning to be super painful, but they had this exit solution on just scrapping all real drones and, hey, let's just use the game. So they reached out to us and uh, basically asked for, um, guys, you are the sports experts, right? Uh, we need to reinvent uh, now how we actually produce this kind of show because we work together with very classic uh, big uh, sports entertainment uh, production companies. Uh, but the digital storytelling and the way on how you do that is uh, very differently. Uh, then we had a lot of brainstorming sessions and basically came to the conclusion, which uh, then turned out to be the final product. Let's simulate everything, right? Um, let's not try to, to create something with uh, multiple pips or other stuff. Let's fully transition the venue, which is the game, mm -hmm. the commentators, which then also are in the game, to become one and really melt it and merge it together into uh, what we feel are really a good replica in that sense of an, of a real event. Yeah. So Terry, how did you tackle that challenge of moving everything that was, you know, previously in person, right? Or uh, sure. a physical world. How did you make all of that digital? Tell me how that, how that process went. Well, sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, one of the, the things that was really, you know, that really worked in our advantage is that DCL, the game is built in Unreal Engine. So, you know, we have a product in Voyager, which is our, our uh, you know, Unreal uh, for broadcast product, basically. So it really helped that the, the game was already developed in that environment. So, uh, but the challenge is we had to take that custom compiled version of Unreal that is DCL, the game, and make that work in our custom version of Unreal. So uh, there was, you know, some versioning things, some technical things that had to happen under the hood. and you know, we had to work directly with DCL to make sure we were truly, you know, representing their product uh, in, in an accurate way. So, um, but yeah, I mean, we looked at it and, and, you know, Simon really taking the lead on, you know, 
telling us, you know, what would really work well. You know, we wanted to make this, we didn't really want to trick anybody, but we wanted to create that sort of environment as if the talent were there in this world um, and, you know, create something a little more interesting than Simon said, than, you know, just putting people in boxes. So um, after all those technical challenges, you know, we, we found a pretty efficient pipeline and, and it was great. It was something that uh, worked really well, I think. So, Bo, from your perspective, what are some of the biggest challenges when it comes to uh, virtual productions and, and pulling something like this off? What, what are the challenges in, in your mind? Yeah, well, you know, in, in this world, you know, normally when we travel for events, we're sitting next to a rack of gear and, you know, something goes wrong, you just go over and reboot the machine. So, uh, you know, luckily, we had spent a lot of time back in the spring developing workflows for remote operations so that, you know, situations like this, when Simon calls, we're ready. Uh, so when he called with DCL, we we had you know solutions in place, and we we knew we could pull it off. Uh, so for this show in particular, the physical Voyager engines were located in a control room in Poland, and you know Terry working in Texas, I was in South Carolina. We're in you know back here controlling these machines, installing the new builds, making sure everything works. Uh, you know, we're able to monitor the outputs of the machines with sub-second latency, so we're seeing the output as it's happening. Um, you know, half a world away. And, you know, for, for the actual operation during the production, we're able to build dashboard buttons with Ross dashboard software and configure GPIs so that the technical director in Poland can hit a button on a stream deck or on his switcher. And he's changing the cameras within the Voyager world, or he's, you know, you know, cutting to and, and starting the camera flies and all the moves that, that Terry had built in. Uh, so, it really ended up being a seamless process as though we were there in the, you know, in, in the Poland control room. That's really incredible and, and amazing that you're able to do that. So Simon, from your perspective, what was it like working with the guys from rocket surgery and how did that partnership work? And, and tell me a little bit about the coordination that had to occur between multiple different teams to make sure everybody was on the same page. Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, uh, first of all, to mention, I mean, this is not the first gig we did together, right? Uh, we did several, uh, I would say, probably even from a technical and creative perspective, way more complex shows in the past already. Um, so mm -hmm. this was a, a natural reach out uh, to friends uh, in the industry uh, about uh, Voyager uh, being released um, and having a few uh, new uh, gadgets associated uh, with that. Um, we had talked about for a while. So um, searching for the right application in that sense, when we had the brainstorming with the DCL uh, team together, uh, the ROS team was the natural uh, by default solution uh, that came up uh, pretty much instantaneously. Um, mm -hmm. In, in terms of uh, how we wanted to structure everything and, and uh, how we, we bring it alive, obviously you always have a very close collaboration um, and that's uh, mandatory to be successful uh, in the media industry overall. And uh, again, we were already used uh, uh, to that. I think the chemistry works out uh, very well in, in terms of um, a contribution overall. So everyone really added uh, to it uh, to make it a success and uh, yeah, that, than what it turned out to be. So Terry, how do virtual productions compare to more traditional broadcasts like a Sunday night football or something along those lines, right? Kind of give me some of the similarities, but also some of the primary yeah. differences. Well, sure. Um, I mean, in the end, uh, production is production. And, and uh, I think we were kind of shocked to see that it felt very similar, uh, you know, in reality. Uh, aside from being remote and being, you know, being at home and supporting the show 
uh, from far away, uh, really the pacing uh, kind of had a similar feel. Uh, I mean, it, it is a live sport still. We're still cutting between cameras. I, I think there was a little more pressure on our end that all those cameras happen to be uh, within our system. So, you know, the TD's cutting between sources virtually and, you know, in our environment. So uh, I think just, you know, the added pressure of all that funneling through us uh, and making sure we're representing everything correctly uh, you know, maybe that was the biggest difference. You know, I think aside from that, obviously we can control the environment. So the image, the imagery can look the way we want it to look. Uh, we don't have to worry about rain and, and snow and weather. Uh, you know, for the most part, we can control that in the game. So we can dictate when it's day or night. So uh, I, I had a, a lot of fun. I, I don't want to say I don't have fun doing football, uh, but, you know, something like this was really cool and out of the ordinary for us. And, and it, it was just a cool thing to be a part of. If, if I can just add to that, we are often on a lot of productions where we use Voyager for augmented reality. So we have real cameras and real environments like Sunday Night Football that you mentioned, which we do. Um, but this was an opportunity to use Voyager to build a talent desk within a game world. So there is no real physical camera anywhere. You know, they're all virtual Unreal cameras or, or Voyager cameras that we can control in UX and which is now Lucid. Um, so if Terry wants to put a camera in, you know, in the sky, he just put a blimp camera up and there it was. And now the TD has access to a blimp camera. Uh, you know, we, we were able to build some shots. For instance, we had one shot that began at the finish gate of the, the drone race. And then it flies up into the sky to a virtual scoreboard powered by expression actually. And then, you know, after you read the score from that, that race, then it flies right back down to the talent desk without feeling like you've ever left the game world. So you get to do some things that you couldn't do in real life because, you know, if you want a camera, you just make one and, and just throw it in there and control it with UX and Lucid and, and it just works. You know, so you have a lot more flexibility than you do in real life. It, it was a lot of fun to work on. That's really incredible. So, Simon, do you foresee more events being done this way um, because of the success of, of how things went with Drone Champions League and some of the other successful partnerships that you've, you've had with the, the rocket surgery guys in the past? Do you, do you think that more and more events could be done this way? And do you think that that could be a trend that we'll see in the future? I think it makes sense uh, to a certain degree, probably by nature, yeah. Um, I mean, you can you can see obviously currently everyone uh, due to the pandemic, everyone is uh, seeking virtual solutions uh, to compensate uh, the real world. But I think here you really have the advantage that you can use the game, which is somewhat a little bit an isolated element as its own environment in a broadcast mm -hmm. um, to really extend this beyond just being the field of play right, which we actually did here with DCL. And uh, also, I think in, in terms of uh, other marketing um, opportunities, there's a lot to do, right? For example, DCL um, is based in Liechtenstein, uh, where also one of the uh, host cities, basically Liechtenstein, was present. And just by nature, uh, the DCL team could give them the visibility that uh, was intended. So there's uh, a lot of uh, cool new ways on storytelling. And as Bo said, right, I mean, there's no limitations. You can put an unlimited amount of cameras basically anywhere. And also sometimes if you need mm -hmm. to turn over maybe amounts of talents uh, to, to envision a higher flexibility, different storytelling, you can do that. Because basically with, with a green screen in my back, 
I can be beamed into any show anytime. So I can have a huge lineup also of, of content variety in my pipeline uh, that I can ingest into that show, uh, which uh, usually in the past uh, would be very pricey, right? So Simon, given the success of Drone Champions League and how well uh, you guys have done on this project and, and also your, your ongoing partnership with the, the, rocket, uh, the rocket surgery guys, do you feel like this could be an ongoing trend? Will you see more events going to a virtual production type style the way that you did with this event? Um, I think currently with the pandemic, pandemic it's uh, very natural uh, to have that need of uh, virtual uh, solutions, virtual environments. But I think especially DCL as, as the application of expanding the, the field of play that you have with esports uh, in, in general, uh, overall, the whole show uh, gives uh, new opportunities, right? For example, the first event uh, took place in a, in a sponsorship uh, in the whole city in Liechtenstein, where we could not only during in-game, uh, as the track was built in the game in Liechtenstein, uh, represent the city, but also out of the game in a very natural way. So I think there is a lot of uh, great opportunities uh, for advanced storytelling, and also then not having physically talent on site, but uh, putting them into the environment uh, with a green screen, uh, which is overall easy to set up basically anywhere, right? Um, you can also have maybe a new amount of variety of, of talent that is being present. Uh, so the overall storytelling uh, can be very different compared to maybe traditional broadcast formats uh, that are currently existing. So I think there is a lot of potential moving forward, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Terry, I want to bounce off of what, what Simon just said and, and, yeah. and direct a question your way because uh, we've talked about all of the different uh, cameras. If you want a camera, you can add a camera, right? And you sure. can control it in different ways and you can have different types of storytelling with different talent and things like that. Doesn't that add in just a whole new level of engagement for fans, right? And provide for a level of engagement you maybe don't get with traditional broadcasts or with other mediums. Totally, yeah. Uh, you know, I think doing these the the demand you know we saw the demand increase you know you know sort of because of covid out of necessity uh people were having to rethink how they do production and i think now seeing more of these people are maybe going to rethink you know how they approach these in general moving forward maybe not out of necessity anymore because of covid we might see more of this style uh, of approach you know moving forward because it presents so many different creative things like you just mentioned so uh, where, you know, us as a team, I don't know that we were out seeking this style, you know, of, uh, of production or this product, but now we're totally rethinking, uh, you know, what we do. And, and, you know, COVID aside and all of that aside, I think this is something that's going to be a mainstay uh, and something that people try to do with, with esports. It, you know, esport, it just makes sense, you know, uh, adding, you know, that environment, being able to put talent and players, you know, competitors in that world just makes sense where they can interact with, you know, components of the game that just makes sense. That connection with, with the audience is just something different that you don't get with, you know, a typical sports production. Yeah, and Bo, you know, one of the things I, I wanted to ask you about was just uh, the explosion we've seen really in, in terms of remote production across a number of verticals, right? Speak to just um, maybe the, the increased demand for remote production these days, uh, mainly brought on by COVID, but you could see how that could be an ongoing trend even, even in a post-COVID world, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and it brings on a lot more, we have a lot more flexibility now with our team because where before we would have two guys traveling to a game, so they would, you know, travel Thursday, be gone until Monday. Well, now 
with with the way that we're able to do remote operations that we weren't in the past, you know, that that same person on our crew is able to do three different events in those three days. So literally we're logging in to, to one computer in Connecticut on Saturday morning to do a, a mainstream show uh, and then logging into a different computer on Sunday to do a different show. And it's, you know, we're able to have a lot more flexibility and to pull off a lot more events than we ever would have before with the same amount of crew. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely incredible, and I've loved getting a chance to, to talk to you guys a little bit more today about what you did uh, for Drone Champions League and, uh, and all the different capabilities that you have utilizing Voyager and, uh, and the tools that it can provide. And so, uh, Terry, Bo, and Simon, thank you guys so much for joining me here on the, uh, on the video today and, uh, and chatting about this.